Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our service here at Norwich Baptist Church. And what a beautiful day it is. It's uh, a joy to be able to meet outside, in a sense, here in October and to uh, just enjoy the sunshine. As uh, my wife and I walked to church this morning, and uh, the sunshine on our backs as we were coming up the hill here uh, was just so lovely. And it's a joy to be able to do this. So I just want to say welcome, and we'll stand, if we may, and sing our opening uh, uh, hymn song. Uh, Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
And indeed, what a joy it is to be able to turn our eyes to the Lord Jesus Christ and to look to him. just want to give uh, a few announcements, uh, very, very few, in fact. Uh, first of all, though, we just welcome everybody. And if you've never completed one of our uh, welcome cards before, please, uh, please do so. Um, just pop your email address and name on the back, and then we'll make sure that you get the uh, bulletin, which I haven't got a copy of, and there may be some at the side and back of the church. Uh, just to make sure that uh, you know what's going on at Norwich Baptist Church and, uh, and so on. There's also a place for any prayer requests that you have. Just simply put those details on the card, fold it up, pop it in one of the offertory boxes, which is at the uh, sides of the, uh, the church uh, exits, and, uh, and those are handed directly to me, and I would count it a privilege to be able to pray with you, to pray for you, and to do anything else that we can to help. So please feel free uh, to do that. So the only um, uh, notice, uh, that, well, two slight variations, is to say I'm sorry that the discipleship class didn't take place last week. Um, a lot of us are feeling a bit stressed at the moment. There's so much going on, and uh, it was just more than I could cope with, with all the different things that were taking place, and something had to give. And so what we'll do is we'll just push that forward until the third Thursday of next month. Um, that's the third Thursday of next month in the Cornerstone at 7 o'clock, and we'll catch up then. But I just want to remind the men, because they're the ones that probably won't read the bulletin, that we have our men's fellowship on Thursday this week at 7.30 uh, at the Cornerstone. So um, uh, wives, girlfriends, and whatever, if you can read the bulletin and pass on the information uh, to the one that counts for certain meetings, that would be a good thing. So that's Thursday 7.30 at the Cornerstone uh, for the chaps to gather together. And we continue to look at the subject of disciplines of a godly man. Now, there is uh, one other special notice to say that I'm going to read this as it is. Uh, practice, I'm guessing that's um, music practice for uh, Christmas. Practice next week is being split. Women in the church, men in the tent. Uh, John will be away, but please come as we need to focus on the different parts we are also looking for someone who can play hymns, song, uh, so any piano players, please speak to Serena, Marta, or John. So if you can play the piano, then you need to uh, talk to somebody quickly. In fact, we could do with some help with music. There's a lot going on, so please, uh, please do that. Are there any other final? Yes. Right, yes, advance notice, uh, marriage course for all those who have been married, uh, and that's going to be in November uh, over the weekend of the, the 23rd, okay? So if, uh, if you're looking to, to improve your marriage, can come along. Okay. Right, so 18th is, is film night, so uh, we're going to have popcorn and stuff in the church. And then the following weekend, which is the 24th, 25th, will be the actual um, uh, course that we're working through. So it's, it's, a, it's a great course, actually, and uh, it's, it's uh, all prepared and videos. I, Joe and I, we, we get as much out of it just by going along. So please uh, try and book that time and come. And if you know of, uh, of anybody who's, uh, who's, who's, who's married and wants to see uh, God at work in their, in their marriages even more than uh, 
has happened so far, then please invite them to come along. And it's always good to have a refresher. Remember, we don't know it all. And, uh, and it's good to, uh, to be able to um, meet together and to do that. So thank you. So we'll be sending a notice out with those details on. Any other items? Okay, that's great. Why don't we um, pray and ask God's blessing now uh, as we meet. So Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share together on this beautiful day that you've given to us. And our hearts just uh, cry out as we look at all the colors on the trees and we see the way that the seasons come, the seasons go, and the seasons change. And we thank you for the fact that this world just works on a perfect clockwork system. And Lord, we know that you are the creator of this world, the creator of time, the creator of order, and we praise you for this. And Father, too, we just thank you for the gifts and the offerings that have been brought into this church during the course of the uh, last uh, week, and we just pray that they would be used carefully and wisely, and that we would be able to bring help to people where we can, that we would be able to use them for the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ here in our town and in our community. So bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, some of the songs this morning have been chosen by John and Aggie, and today is a very exciting day because we're going to meet Chloe properly. Uh, Chloe is, how old is Chloe now? Almost five months. So, uh, so we've been waiting for this day for five months, and it's a joy to be able to do that because John and Aggie are bringing Chloe, and they're going to dedicate her to the Lord Jesus. And we're going to remind ourselves as parents today of the awesome responsibility that we have for bringing up children. Let's stand and sing a song chosen by John and Aggie, Jesus Strong and Kind, and then Veronica will lead us for our children's talk. Thank you.
Can I invite the children up for the message? Can you join me? All right, there's some chairs down here. Okay. Here. Chair. Here's a couple chairs. Okay. All right. Oh, there's a big group. Everybody see? There. Here. Okay. You can go. Oh. And come sit up here, too, if you want. So great to see all of you here this morning. Can I want to ask you a question? Has have any of you ever been to a mountain? Anybody been to a mountain? A real mountain, maybe in Canada, in BC? No? My, I, I was on a mountain when I was a baby. Oh, you were on a mountain when you were on a ba- when you were a baby. Mm-hmm. I've been to the mountains in BC, and they are huge. They are so big, like sometimes you can't even see the top a lot of times because there's just clouds because they're so big. So we're going to talk about mountains for a minute. So I want you to pretend with me that these are mountains, okay? And I'm going to get something out of here to help me. So if these little people were on this mountain and they want to get to this one, But look at some mountains are so big, the canyon, they can't see the bottom. So it's not a very safe thing to try to get from this mountain to this mountain. So what what could they do? How are they going to get from one mountain to the other? Or a giant hill? Anybody? It's not very safe down here. What have you seen that we have, maybe when you've been driving, that might help us cross? over from one high, high place to another. Anyone? Oh, a a zip line. Okay. Yeah, you're pretty courageous. Well, I wouldn't do the zip line. Not me. I'm sure there's people here that would. Good, good answer. A bridge. Okay. So I do, I don't have a zip line in here, but you're right. I have a bridge. Okay. So we put the bridge here and then these people can cross over to this side, okay? Because they can go across the bridge. So I'm just going to tuck that away for a minute. We'll come back to that. All right. So today we're going to talk about another mountain. And do you remember um, last week we talked about a group of people that went through, they came to, uh, Miss Sherry talked to you about the story of a group of people that came to the Red Sea. Do you remember their names? That big group of people? The good for you, the Israelites. That's right. So the Israelites came to the Red Sea. The Lord parted the Red Sea and they could walk through on the sand. And then the Lord brought them to, we're going to talk about another mountain. And that mountain is called, does anybody know what that mountain was? It's mentioned in the Bible with the the Israelites. Mount Sinai. Okay, so Mount Sinai, God brought the people to Mount Sinai. And God led them there, but he also led them there with a man. Who was their leader? Do you remember the Good job, Moses. That's right, Moses was their leader. There he is. Okay, so they stayed by Mount Sinai for a year. 
at the base of the mountain. They camped there, all those people. And while they were there for that year, God wanted to teach them some special things. He wanted to teach them rules, how to obey God and to turn from their sin and learn how to worship God, the true God. Because they came from Egypt and they heard about all sorts of gods, right? And God wanted to teach them, I am the only God, I am your God. And he wanted to teach them something else. I have a treasure box here. And there are some nice sparkly treasures in there. And God wanted to tell his people, you are my treasure. You are my special people, and I love you. And I want to make a promise or a covenant with you. I will be your God, and you will be my people. Remember, I am the God that took you out of Egypt. No other God did. I took you out of Egypt, and I rescued you. And I'm going to take care of you. And the people responded and said, yes, we, we want you to be our God. We will do as you say. That's what they said. And God wanted to use them. God also wanted, said to them, I'm going to use you to show other nations, other people on, around the world that I am the only God and that I'm the God of the universe. So I wonder if they remembered that all the time. So Moses had to go up that mountain. And what happened at that mountain too, the Lord showed himself on that mountain to the people. He would come and show his presence and he spoke to the people on this mountain. Can you imagine if God spoke to us like that on the mountain? Do you know what happened? Does anybody know what happened? Was it really? He made the commandments, that's right. But when God showed his presence on the mountain, it was actually a very terrifying thing for the people of Israel. There was thunder and lightning and fire and trumpets and the whole mountain shook. This is a massive place. It shook. And the people were terrified. They're like, Moses, we don't want God speaking to us like that. Can you go to God and speak to him and, and then come down and speak to us? We're afraid we're going to die if God talks to us like that. It was so scary. So that's what Moses did. He would go up into the clouds, into the dark place in the mountain, and he would meet with God, and God would talk to Moses, and he'd come down and talk to the people. And like you said, Gadriel, he went up the mountain, and he got the Ten Commandments, right? And then something very sad happened. He came down that mountain with the Ten Commandments. And were the people worshiping God anymore? No. Who who were they worshiping? An idol. idol. And that idol was a? A golden calf. You're right, a golden calf. So they forgot. They forgot their promise that God made to them, their covenant, and the, the promise that they said, we will worship you. You are our only true God. They forgot, and they were worshiping a statue that can't do anything. So how do you think the Lord felt about that? He felt terrible, and he felt, what other emotion do you think? It's a really strong emotion, but he's a holy God, and he loves his people, and he didn't want them to forget about him, and they were sinning by worshiping the idol. He was very mad and angry, so angry. You know what he said to Moses? I am going to wipe out these people. I've had, they have forgotten me. They've forgotten my covenant. They've forgotten that I love them. And they've forgotten I, was, I took them out of Egypt. 
I just want to wipe them out. I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. But Moses went to God and said, no, God, remember you made a covenant. Please, please forgive them. These are your treasured possession. And please turn your anger away from the people. And you know what? God listened. He turned his anger away from the Israelites. So now I'd like to go back to that picture that I showed you. And um, we're going to look at that picture again. And this time I want you to imagine that this is a mountain of sin. It's dark and black. That's why I picked that color or that I made it black. And I picked this to be white because we're going to think of this as a holy place where God is, okay? Just kind of imagine that in your mind, a holy place where God is, his presence. And there were things that we heard about just now, we reminded of, that the Israelites did things that were, were evil by, um, right? by worshiping the idol and forgetting about God. That, that did things that hurt them and hurt other people. And sin puts us in a place of great sadness, doesn't it, and brokenness. And as we sang today, sin makes us lost from who? Who are we lost when we're in our sin? From Jesus and from God, that's right. So if there's sin and there's no bridge here, and we live in this place called sin because we are sinful in our hearts, right? We hurt people. We break our promises. We don't always listen to God. And we really, God wants us in his presence. So who, where did that bridge go? Moses isn't here anymore. Where is the bridge now? Do you know who, this is a special word. It's called a mediator. Moses was the mediator. He was the person that went between God and the people. And now we need a new mediator. And who is that? Who's the bridge? Jesus, right. Jesus is our mediator. He is the person that goes between God and the people. Just like Moses did, but the perfect mediator. And Moses... The story of Moses points us to Jesus. All the stories in the Bible always point us to Jesus and say a perfect mediator is coming because Jesus had no sin. He could die on the cross and our sins were washed away and we can come to God's presence now, right? Because we, if we know Jesus and we're his children and we love Jesus and he's our savior, we are his precious possession and the Holy Spirit lives in us. And we can come now because of Jesus. Jesus is standing with the Father, talking to the Father on our behalf. He's died and taken our sin and our punishment for us. And we can cross over, right, from this mountain of sin over to the place of salvation. And we're saved and we're not lost anymore. And we can come to God's presence in prayer and being together. And because Jesus is praying and interceding for us, right? And he gave us new life. And the father says, Those are, you are my children because of Jesus, your perfect mediator. That's a big word. Our, the, the person who goes in between God and us for our salvation. 
And that can give us all the joy and everything that we need in this day and in our eternal life that we get to look forward to in heaven. Okay, so shall we pray? And, oh, I'm going to read this scripture first from uh, Hebrews 9.15. For the reason Christ is the mediator of, all, of the, a new covenant, that through the, those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that oh, he from... No, oh, I don't have my reading glasses. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you read that scripture for me? Yeah. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant, Hebrews 9.15. Thank you. All right, thanks. See, I needed someone to help me. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for these precious children. And we thank you, Father, that today we can welcome a new family member. And little Chloe, little Chloe, even though she's a little baby, she has sin in her life too, Lord, and she needs you as her Savior. And we thank you, Lord, that now we can be here for her dedication, that her mom and dad want to say, yes, Lord, this child is from you. And we want to teach her about you and about Jesus and how Jesus is the perfect Savior for her and for each one of us here. Thank you, Lord, that you love each one of these children. They are your treasured possession and each one of us in this tent. Thank you, Jesus, for being the way your cross made the way for us to not be lost anymore, to come freely to the Father who loves us and our sins are washed away, that we are whiter than snow. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for your help. Okay. Good. I, I wondered, do the children want to stay here for the next part of our service? Because we've got a dedication now for little baby Chloe. Would you like to? Or do you want to go back to your, your parents? But I would like you to stay in for the service, okay? We'll do that. Uh, John and Aggie and Chloe, would you like to come to uh, the front of the church? And there's uh, one little girl here. I, I think uh, I know who she is. Right. But if you want to go back and sit with your mums and dads, that's absolutely fine for what's taking place. But uh, John and Aggie and Emily and, and Alex. Was Alex prepared to come up or not? Yes, he is. Good man. Okay, if you'd like to come up here, guys, that would be great. Okay. Thank you. Good. So uh, today is a, a great joy and a privilege to be able to meet this young lady uh, formally, I suppose you could say, here in our fellowship. And it's always a joy to have services like this. Oh, I'm going to ask if Abe and Tina, would you come and sit on the front seats up here? Is that okay as well? Because they're taking part in this part of our service. And uh, as I said, it's a great joy to have welcomed uh, this, uh, this sweet little girl. I love her little, um, little pink things here that's great and she's she's a smiler which is always encouraging so uh, so that's in fact I haven't heard her cry very much which I think is a, a and she's smiling at me I can see why she's smiling at me it must be it must be quite funny for her um, but uh, so I just got some some words of scripture that we want to read together and some uh, statements that we want to make I just want to say at the outset though that this service is not a baptismal service 
Uh, this uh, part of this service is more to do with John and Aggie. In fact, the whole of the message is for John and Aggie, particularly John. Now, I can tell he's already getting a bit hot under the collar at this particular moment, but uh, we're going to be talking about fathers not provoking your children today, and I'm sure there's some, t- some young people here who say, yeah, give it to them, Pastor, okay? So we're going to look out for that, but uh, this is not a baptismal service. What we're doing here is to say thank you to God for the safe delivery of, uh, of Chloe, Uh, We're going to say thank you to God for loaning or giving Chloe to you, but you don't own her, but you've got to look after her, and it's a privilege and a joy that has been given to you. So, John and Aggie, I'm going to say this. Children are a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse 3 proclaims that sons are an inheritance from the Lord. Children are a reward from him. And as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are called to recognize that children belong first and foremost to God. And we've had a good time talking together uh, about that because we recognize that it is important to understand the place and the privilege that we have. God in his goodness gives children as gifts to parents. Parents not only have the awesome responsibility of caring for this gift that has been given to them, but also the wonderful privilege of enjoying the gift that has been given. Because children belong to God and are given by grace as gifts to parents. And because of this, it's only proper and appropriate that children be dedicated back to God. So it's great that Emily and Alex are here. Alex was baptized recently, and we praise God for that. And, uh, and Emily, it's great to have you as part of this. And we pray that uh, as we see a family working together and encouraging each other, that we would be able to see God at work in you. We're told in 1 Samuel chapter 1 that Hannah presented her son Samuel to the Lord. In Luke 2.22, we read that Mary and Joseph brought their baby son Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem in order to present him before the Lord. In the Gospels, we read that people brought little children and babies to Jesus so that Jesus might place his hands on them and pray for them. And in the same way, John and Aggie today bring their beautiful daughter, Chloe, presenting first themselves and then their daughter before the Lord our God. Now, as a fellowship, when we heard that Chloe had been born, we all rejoiced with you. And I remember being able to put that message out to people and all the people flashed back and said, wow, isn't this exciting? And we're so happy and we're so pleased. And then there was a little bit of a problem that came across and uh, we discovered that um, uh, Chloe's oxygen level was not quite as it should be. And so there's a little bit of concern. And of course, anybody with a new baby doesn't want to have that concern in, uh, in our lives. But as a fellowship, as a family, because that's who we are, we were concerned about that. And uh, Chloe was able to, um, I think it was to Toronto in the end Mm -hmm. that you were taken. Uh, And so we were praying very much as a fellowship and we kept having messages and we passed them out because we wanted to pray for this little girl because she's gorgeous. And, you know, we don't want anything to to be wrong, but we prayed that uh, the Lord would overrule. And uh, John and Aggie had to go up to Toronto and they received um, some help with a, a procedure that was carried out. And this is what we have before us, a smiling little girl um, who, uh, who's up to weight on everything. Her oxygen levels are great. That's good. And so we thank the Lord for the medical attention that we have in this country. We thank the Lord for the doctors and for the nurses that uh, are able to care for 
um, a, a, even a tiny little baby like this, and we praise God for this. But of course, we also come and we thank him for his goodness, because we believe that the prayers that all of us shared were a part of, uh, and, and a very large part of, uh, of Chloe's recovery, and we have uh, commended her already to the Lord. And what I'd like to do now is to just pray uh, for Chloe, um, because of, uh, and I'm just going to put my hands on her feet if that's all right. Lord, we just want to come before you at this particular moment and say thank you uh, for the restoration that has been granted to her for her health. And we thank you um, for all that has been done for her by the doctors and the nurses. And we just thank you for her smiling face. And we pray that you'd continue to keep your hand of healing upon her. And we pray that she would now be able to grow uh, in every way as a normal baby, as a normal child, and we just ask your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a joy to be able to do that. Now, as we like to do in this fellowship, um, accompanying John and Aggie with their commitments before the Lord this morning is, uh, is John's brother Abe and his, his wife, uh, Tina. We know Abe and Tina really well. And in a moment, I'm going to ask them to come up and uh, just take part and make a a promise that they will do all they can to help this family here. And then I'm going to ask everybody as part of our f church family to also make that statement. John and Aggie, I call your attention to the commands of God recorded in the Holy Scriptures for us. Firstly, from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 7, which say this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, and isn't it interesting that the Lord has brought that to our attention as Veronica spoke, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And then Ephesians 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Isaiah 54 verse 13 says, All your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. God's instructions to us are really very plain. But sadly, many people don't listen anymore. Uh, we look at our world and our country and our province, and we see many problems that young people are facing. And those could have been avoided if we hold to God's word and we bring the instruction and the teaching that we are encouraged to do so. John and Aggie, having declared their love for the Lord Jesus, and so with every ounce and fiber of their energy, we implore you to teach Chloe to do the same. As you love God, as you love one another, and as you love Alex and Emily, we want to ask that you will show the same love, the wonderful love of God to Chloe. And that we pray that Chloe will want to experience that love herself. I'm going to ask uh, John and Aggie uh, a couple of questions. And uh, <clears throat> I'd like you to ask, answer with the words we do. Okay. Um, John and Aggie, by coming forward before God and his people here this morning, do you hereby declare your desire to dedicate yourselves and your daughter, Chloe, to the Lord? If so, please respond by saying, we do. We do. Thank you. Having come freely, I ask you now to enter into the following commitment in the presence of God and his people. I'm going to ask if, uh, if Aggie would kindly 
Uh, don't worry too much, John. We'll pass uh, Chloe to John at this point. The reason we're doing this is because we believe in this church very firmly that, um, that John is the head of this home spiritually. His headship is important and he is to lead his family um, as a fellow guy, I know that's not easy all the time, okay? But, uh, but we, we do this now because it's, uh, it's important. So to encourage Chloe to walk in the abundant of life that Christ offers, do you, John, and Aggie vi- by, vow by God's help and in partnership with this church and all family to provide Chloe a Christian home of love and peace to raise her in the truth of our Lord's instructions and discipline, and to encourage her to one day trust in Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Thank you. Modeling this kind of love cannot be done alone. It does require help. And for this reason, John and Aggie call upon Abe and Tina. I'd like to ask if you would come up now to the front. And indeed, the entire congregation, but you remain seated for the moment. You come this side, guys. That would be great. It is said that it takes a village to raise a child. Uh, There's definitely some truth in that. And parents have first responsibility, but parents need the help and support of close friends and family from time to time who they trust. They also need the help and support of a church that keeps God's word central in all that takes place. So first, Abe and Tina, um, you're standing, and that's a sign of your willingness to support John and Aggie in raising Chloe and their family to know and to love the Lord Jesus. So I'm just going to ask Abe and Tina uh, a question, and I'm hoping that you can answer with the words we will. Abe and Tina, will you pledge to support and to help John and Aggie as needed in the task that they have of raising Chloe in a way consistent with God's plan for families? We will. Thank you. Okay, so guys, if you'd like to sit down, you can stay for the moment. That would be great. Okay. So I'm going to direct my next question to the church, to everybody here. Uh, By being present in God's house today, do you hereby declare yourselves to be the people of God because you trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life? Now, if you can't say that this morning, then you can't answer with the words, we will. So don't say something you don't mean. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand if you would please do so now, and to respond with the words, we do, if you're able to do so. So because you're people who know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation of your sins and the gift of eternal life, would you please reply to the following statement? Having come freely, I ask you now to make the following commitment to those who stand before you so that Chloe may be encouraged to walk in the abundant of life that Christ offers. Do you vow by God's help to be faithful in your calling as believers and members of the body of Christ here at Norwich Baptist Church to help John and Aggie to be faithful to God and to help each other and train Chloe in the ways of the Lord so that she might be encouraged to do one day 
and to trust in him as Lord and Savior, that she would then seek to be baptized as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in her own right, in the fashion prescribed in Holy Scripture. If you accept this responsibility, please respond by saying, we do. We do. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> And now this is the part I like. Don't worry about that. <laughs> so I get to hold little Chloe. And this is the first time, everybody. And she's gorgeous. Okay. And what we're going to do is uh, pray for her directly in a moment. And uh, we're going to just commend her to the Lord. But first of all, I'm just going to give her a little kiss on her forehead. Mm, what a sweetheart you are. Absolutely. Wouldn't it be nice if all babies were like this at this particular moment in time? I wouldn't want to let her go. So I'm going to ask if we could pray together now for Chloe. Our loving and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this precious life, this precious gift that has been given to John and Aggie, and indeed to all of us. This beautiful child whom we dedicate to you today. Behold, children are a gift that comes from you, the fruit of the womb is indeed a reward. Lord, we pray that you protect this innocent gift that you have given to John and Aggie. We know that the enemy will try to hinder and distract Chloe's walk with you. So, Lord, we pray for Chloe's protection in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. This child is a blessing, and we pray that she will grow to know and to love you and that she will be a great blessing to all around her as she grows up, and that one day she will show her desire to serve you in all that she does. Amen. Chloe, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace. Amen. wonderful. John and Aggie, thank you, and Alex and Emily, thank you for coming up and uh, taking part in this service, and we will continue to pray for you as a family, as a church, and if there's anything we can do for you, you ask us, and we will try and watch out as well, but the Lord bless you and keep you. Oh, yes, and as a presentation, um, so John said that uh, reading was his strong point, but he also said that he quite likes books with pictures in. <laughs> so we've got here a gift, which is uh, for Chloe, and it's presented to Chloe on October the 23rd, 2022, Your Dedication by Norwich Baptist Church. So there we go, and you can read the stories too. <laughs> okay. The Lord bless you. Oh, I've got one for John, sorry. Now, um, just to give the impression that John has read it. We've had it pre-stained on the corner. I'm afraid my coffee cup spilt a little bit, uh, but it is a brand new book, and it's entitled Calling and Equipping Men to Lead Their Families, Family Shepherds. So uh, I want you to work your way through that slowly, and, uh, and, and we can encourage you. Awesome. The Lord bless you. Okay, thank you. Right, there we go. Okay, bye, guys. Good. And uh, as John and Aggie and family are going back, let's stand and sing the song, Grace. Now, this song has been chosen by Aggie uh, and John again. Uh, it may not be overly familiar to some of us, but please follow John's lead and uh, let's rejoice together. And children, yes, Sunday school is in the uh, basement of the church. <laughs> Thank you. 
John, because of time, you go and sit down and we'll miss off the next uh, hymn if that's okay. And I think that will help us to, uh, to catch up a wee bit. I'm going to ask, is, is Cassidy here? Yes? Okay, Cassidy, would you come up to the front? Cassidy was uh, baptized here in this fellowship a couple of weeks ago, and she wasn't able to be here last week, but uh, we just wanted to present you. Thank you. There you go. Um, The Lord bless you. Uh, So we're presenting you with a prayer, and here's your certificate of baptism. And uh, if you have trouble crossing the border, just present that. Everything will be fine. And here (laughs) is a a, a book which we believe will be a blessing to you. Let me just pray. Father, I just pray for Cassidy. We thank you for all those who are baptized. And we continue to ask your blessing in their lives, that they would be walking with you and that they would be able um, to show to the world around them what it is to know and to love the Lord Jesus. Bless Cassidy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank Thank you. you. Okay. And uh, we'll pray, if we may, and continue, and then we'll uh, turn to the Word of God, um, except my Bible is here. (coughs) There's a lot to pray for. I just want to make mention of the fact that Nancy isn't here this morning. Um, She's still not feeling 100%, and uh, she was taken... I I took her into um, uh, accident and emergency. No, you call it the emergency room, don't you? A&E in England. If I say A&E, you'll know what it is. And uh, um, she's just not feeling quite right, so we need to pray for her. And uh, if there's anybody who's going to turn up for church, it's Nancy. So the fact that she's not here is a, is a, is a sign uh, that she is uh, struggling. I want to pray for Jody's brother this morning, if we may. Uh, we also want to uh, pray for Christian and Vanessa uh, Barkley. Um, who very sadly, and it's, it's sad in the sense of the service that we have this morning, but uh, lost a baby at 22 weeks, I think, was it roughly? And uh, of course, our hearts cry out for them because that's, that's tough. And so uh, uh, we, will, we will be uh, praying um, for them. So please join with me. And so our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we want to just say and cry out from the bottom of our hearts to say thank you for your greatness and your power, your authority. We also just want to say thank you for the joy that you bring to us in our hearts and lives. And even though sometimes we pray uh, for things that are causing us um, to feel sad, uh, it, it, it's, it's in our faith in Jesus that we can still rejoice. Now, the world cannot understand this, but we can still rejoice in our salvation in you. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we have been able to rejoice in bringing Chloe before you this morning, and as we've been able to rejoice in dedicating her back to you, Lord, we just pray for this little one, and we pray that uh, one day, and maybe sooner than we all think, we will be able to rejoice as she responds to the gospel and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, and she's being able to start understanding and recognizing you are her savior and so lord we pray for her now and we pray for john and we pray for aggie and we pray for the responsibility that they have to live lives that will bring glory to you but in doing that we'll also be able to bring that glory into the life of chloe and so we ask your blessing upon them and we pray for protection on this little one we pray that the condition which uh, she was uh, born with but has been dealt with would not return and that all would be well and that her blood oxygen levels will remain high not entirely sure what that means but lord we just thank you for the way that we are fearfully and wonderfully made so lord bless her we pray and father we come before you and uh, we want to just pray for other folks within our fellowship 
We pray for Nancy because uh, she has been such an important part of this fellowship and this church for such a long time. And we know it's not like Nancy to not uh, be able to be with us. And so, Lord, we pray for her and we pray that she would um, receive uh, full health and strength back again soon and that she would be able to pick up all the places where she is left off at this time. Uh, we pray that the right medication would be prescribed if that's what's needed. We pray that the right dosage would be prescribed if that's what needs to be looked at. But Lord, we just ask that right now she would know that we have prayed for her, that she would have felt your hand of blessing in her life and restoration, we pray. And Father, we come before you and we want to remember Danica this morning. We thank you to hear the news that Danica is running around uh, like her usual self. And so we praise you for that because that's such a good sign. And we thank you uh, for the, the short stay that was um, held in hospital again. And we had been concerned that this may have become something much longer. But Lord, we thank you for this little girl and we continue to ask your blessing, uh, restore, restoration and health upon her. And we pray that she would continue to be able to develop her character to be Danica because we know that that you have made her to be Danica. And we praise you for this, just as you've made Chloe to be Chloe, and just as you've made all of our children to be who they are. And so we thank you for this. And we ask your blessing on Ari and on Joanna with all the responsibilities that they have. Lord, draw close to them, we pray. And Father, this morning we come and we would just lift up uh, Christian and Vanessa to you. We recognize that this is the second baby that they have lost. And Lord, we don't know all the answers. We don't know the reasons. We do know that Christian and Vanessa will be grieving very much at this time. And Lord, I just pray that they would, even in their grieving, somehow be able to see the mercies of God and the love of God. We pray for Jerry and for Leslie here this morning. And we just ask that as they lead their family and as they endeavor to help in the situation that Christian and Vanessa find themselves, that they would be strong and that they, they would be able to say, look, look to the mountains, look to the hills, look to the Savior. And we just ask your blessing and healing. We pray for Vanessa with the eczema that she is suffering or has suffered from and continues to. Lord, please bring healing in her life, we ask. And Father, we just uh, pray for Jody's brother here. We are concerned for that situation and we just pray, Lord, that there would be indeed a turning to you, a desire to recognize that there is not a moment of the day or the night that you leave us alone but you're with us all the time. And so we bring him before you and we pray that he again would look to the hills, look to the mountains, where his strength will come from. And Father, we would just pray for uh, those who were married yesterday, for Mike and Shayla, and we thank you for that service and we pray uh, that today as they go forward in their married life together that they would be able to rejoice in the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they would see their marriage being built on the foundation of Jesus, the rock. And that they would be able to face each and every day with all the joys of the expectations. 
sometimes the difficulties, but that they would see Jesus and they would call to him in all things. So, Lord, bless them. And we pray for Bill, for Bill Boot, Lord. We continue to ask for healing in his life. And we pray that as he prepares now for surgery in a couple of weeks' time, that graciously you would intervene and that full restoration of health would be brought. Now, we know that you're not dependent upon the surgery, the hands of a surgeon, the hands of a man, but at the same time, Father, if this is the route that you choose, that we would see and be able to rejoice with Bill as all is sorted. So, Lord, bless us, we pray this morning as we turn to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's uh, turn to the scriptures, if we may. And again, I'm going to reduce slightly the length of scripture that uh, we look at. But if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Paul's letter to the Colossian church. Uh, It was a church that he never actually uh, visited himself, but he had a great concern for this church and he had a desire to help them. Now, our service this morning obviously is not following the normal line uh, of uh, what we've been looking at at the moment from... um, the Acts of the Apostles, but uh, for the dedication service, we've taken a break to look at this, and I'm trying to do a little series on, uh, uh, on family-related things during dedication services, and we've got another infant dedication service on the 20th of November, God willing, so we're looking forward to that, and if there is anybody else uh, who has uh, an infant uh, child that is uh, wants to be dedicated to bring them before the Lord, then please talk to me and it would be a joy to be able to do that. So we'll read from verse 3, if we may. We give thanks, this is chapter 1 of Colossians, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of your love for all the saints. Faith in Jesus changed their outlook because of the hope I want you to notice that word, underline it in your minds. The hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you. It is also in the world, in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit, as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth, as you learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and on suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the powers of darkness and conveyed us, love that word, conveyed us into his kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities, 
or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And then we go forward a little bit further to chapter 3 and just look at two verses, at verse 20 and 21. And our message this morning is going to be looking at verse 21. Uh, but we needed to read these verses in the beginning of Colossians to help us to understand. So verse 20 says, and children, I want you to hang on to your seats now at this particular moment in time. It says, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. And now, fathers, I want you to hang on to your seats really tightly, grandfathers as well. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So this morning, as I've said, is the first message in a series looking at families. And uh, each time we have a dedication service. And if we don't have any more dedications, then we will choose some other services to be able to put this as we're beginning to come up towards our uh, marriage conference there in November. Uh, but it's with joy that I can uh, say that... Uh, the scriptures that we have this morning, whilst sometimes we don't like being put on the spot, we need to be. And the joy that comes from the scriptures that we have this morning is because God graciously knows what we need in our lives to be able to live for him, but also to be able to raise our families to live for him, to be able to be the example and the witness to our children, to be able to encourage them to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because they're watching us. They're seeing very carefully how we live our lives. And we're going to be talking about that in just a moment. Now, I realize there are some people who are saying, well, I'm not married. So is it okay if I'm not off to sleep during the course of the next uh, uh, 30 minutes or so? Well, the answer is no. Uh, that's not possible because the scriptures that we've read together speak to all of us. And the uh, emphasis of the scriptures that we have is indeed for all of us. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I've done my part. The kids have grown up and left. And if they haven't left just yet, they'll be getting a letter shortly to encourage them to go because, uh, you know, we want our home space. We, you know, we've done everything for these kids. We've done all our, 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 our encouraging of them. You know, they've spent all the, the family fortune has been blown on raising them. And now it's time that you go and you're having the locks changed just to make sure. No, you shouldn't do that. That isn't right. But you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, I've done my part. The kids are gone. Well, the message is for you as well this morning, because none of us have an opt out when it comes to families. We're part of a church. We're part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ here at Norwich Baptist Church. Now, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul and the way that he wrote these letters to the churches, he began very simply by talking about the doctrine, the reasons why things happen. He spoke about, uh, uh, here in Colossians, some wonderful themes. And when we then move a bit further and we see this pattern in all of his letters, we discover that he talks about the doctrine, the how, uh, or the why, rather. And then the second half of the letter, he talks about the how. So the first half, you might say, well, that's for the intellectuals. Well, no, it isn't really. The second half is, however, the practical part for all of us. And so when you come to read a letter like the letter to the Colossian Christians, don't feel tempted to just read chapter 3, verse 20. Fathers, do not provoke your children. 
Okay? Children, obey your parents. Because how are we not to provoke our children? How are we to obey our parents? We need to know the reasons why. We need to have the explanation, first of all. But then Paul graciously talks to those of us. Some of us are a bit thicker, sort of sculled than others. And we need to have very clear, practical understanding and, uh, and help to be able to know what it is that we're talking about. <clears throat> so... Those are the verses that we're going to look at. But what I want to do is to swap them around for our time this week. And then on the 20th, we're going to look at the uh, verse 20, which is children obey your parents. So parents might like to make a note in their diary. Do not miss November the 20th in the morning. Make sure your children have been brought along and are ready to listen to what is being spoken. So children, this morning, you can relax. Okay, you can take it slightly easy because we're not going to... You're looking very relaxed there. I think you're relieved, aren't you? You're not worried about it because we're not talking about children obeying your parents today. However, uh, fathers and particularly John, John is now feeling a little bit sweaty under the collar yet again because he's suddenly thinking to himself, everybody's looking at him and you know what? They are. I've seen heads turn around and they're all watching John. And the other men here this morning are grateful because John's taking the heat for you. Well, he isn't really because we're going to be talking to all of us, but that's uh, uh, perhaps how it comes over a little bit. And so when we look at Colossians, we discover that in the first half of Colossians, uh, verse 10, for example, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in wisdom. No, that's not what the scripture says. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Okay? Increasing in the knowledge of God. Now do you begin to understand that the first part of Colossians is the only way we can understand the second part because we have to put the two together. And then we turn to uh, verse 18 of chapter 1 and it says this, that in all things he may have preeminence. And it's talking about Jesus Christ. So it says in all aspects of our life, the way we talk to our wives, the way we bring up our children, all aspects of our lives, the preeminence is in Jesus Christ. And the verse that I want to focus on in that verse 21 is linked to verse 5 very carefully. And verse 5 says, because of the hope, which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. So you want to keep that verse 5 in chapter 1 together with verse 21 in chapter 3. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this will be pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. <clears throat> so John might be feeling a bit under, hot under the collar at the moment. But this message, because the scriptures talk to all of us, is so important. But the words that we're looking at is very short. In fact, there's only 10 words in the verse that we're studying. But even this morning, we haven't got time to do all of those words justice. Essentially, that verse, when you think about it, covers a huge subject. 
we are not going to have time this week, certainly, to look at all of it. But we're going to look at the actual text this morning, and we're going to consider what it is to embitter our children and what it is to discourage them. Because this is one of the biggest problems that we see in our world today. And I'm not just talking about Christians, I'm talking about the whole of our societies. And you see that there are young people who continually say, well, I'm just so discouraged. They might use stronger language to explain how they feel, but that's the sentiment that comes over. And then you hear them talking about the bitterness that they feel towards society in which they live. You know, our society has let our young people down. But sadly, I have to say, so too is our churches. We have let them down. And so too have some of us here this morning. And some of the guys sat here this morning, you've let your children down. I've let my children down. And you've let your children down. And your children are bitter because of what's happened. Remember, fathers, and remember, mothers, that your children are responsive. Now, this point seems to slip our, uh, our understanding sometimes. We tend to forget this. But the truth is they respond to us. Even Eloise, she's two, she responds to Joe and I. And it's incredible the amount of learning, like she will bring things to me before I've even thought about getting them, but she already knows, you know, the time, the place, and she knows what it is that I want, and she'll come toddling in with it because she's responsive to me. She's responsive to Joe. And all of our children are responsive to us. In other words, what they see and what they hear and how they're treated has a reaction with them. And the scriptures make this very clear. This verse alone says that. It says, fathers, if, 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 if you embitter your children, you'll discourage them because a child responds to how you treat them. It responds to what you have to say. It responds to the things that you do. It responds to the things that you say. It is parents who set the atmosphere and the dynamics within the home. Again, that comes as a bit of a shock to some of us. Today, it seems to be that children are the ones that set the scene. Children are the ones that say how the house is going to be run. Children are the ones that say and determine where it is that we're going to go and what we're going to do. I've heard families who will say to me, the children don't want to come to church this week, so we went off and did something else. We've done something else. Because the children have now taken the position of being the ones that operate and determine what takes place. It is not your children who set the atmosphere in your home, or at least it shouldn't be. Parents, and perhaps particularly fathers, it is we who have to teach our children to obey because, naturally speaking, their inclination is not to obey. Isn't it interesting that one of the first words a child learns is the word no? No, I won't do that. Come back to Eloise, she's two. You know, her vocabulary is impressive for a two-year-old, I've got to say that. But one of her favorite words is no. You know, in comparison to the word yes, it's the word no that is often spoken. And, you know, I've discovered that as teenagers grow up, the word no still seems to feature highly in their vocabulary. You know, would you mow the lawn? No. <laughs> would you clean the car? 
No, I've got something else to do. I'm going out with my friends. I'm in the middle of a game, as Jack says, to Alex. So this, is, this puts John and I immediately on a, on a line here. Okay. Well, I, I can't let Alex down. And, and if, I, if I leave the game now, then, then, then he's, you know, he's going to be on his own. No, he's not. You know, He's got his mum and dad there and his sisters. All's going to be fine. But it's interesting how it seems today that our children are the ones that determine the atmosphere and what goes on in our homes. But fathers particularly, we've got to be there and we have to do what we can to encourage our children. You see, it's not instinctive for children to obey anyone. In fact, it's quite the reverse. Instinctively, children do not want to obey their parents. One of the first words, as I say, they learn is no. When Paul wrote to Timothy about uh, somebody wanting to be an overseer or an elder in the church, what's one of the things that he says first of all? And the elders in our fellowship, uh, we've been reading a book recently entitled Elders. So it's a short, to-the-point title. And I have found that book so challenging. I started writing my resignation letter after reading page one of the book. And I know that some of the other guys, uh, Chris and, and, uh, and Adrian, perhaps felt very much the same thing because the first question it says is, you know, are you qualified? And it's a challenge. But one of the qualifications that's given for an elder is do you have control over your family? It's not talking about the church or other people, the first thing it talk, starts talking about, you've got to be able to tr- control your family. You've got to be able to be a leader, a shepherd in your family. If you can't shepherd your family, then how are you going to shepherd the church? How are you going to deal with other people's issues and problems, ones that you have absolutely no idea about? And so we see very clearly that this understanding of, uh, of our children and our responsibility towards them is an, in, 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 an integral part of leadership within the church. One of the things that we say about this person is that they have to be able to manage their family well and see that his children obey with proper respect. So Paul says to fathers, you're responsible for this. And children, you have to learn obedience as your parents teach you. Now, as we uh, come to these verses this morning, we will see that there are two very strong words that are used. And the word embittered and the word discouraged are very, very strong words, aren't they? And already perhaps some of you can think back to the day that your mum or your dad caused bitterness in your heart and in your life. And it's clear in your mind as, as, as a bell ringing. And you can still see the pictures in your mind of the things that took place. And you still have that sense of bitterness perhaps deep down with inside you. Because these are strong words. The word discouraged is a very, very strong word. The word embittered means to arouse bitter feelings. And the scriptures are very clear that there is absolutely no room for bitterness in our lives. Now do you see that this is for all of us. None of us should allow bitterness in our hearts and lives. The writer of the Hebrews states it this way. He says, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble. And by this, many become defiled. I say it to you clearly. In the Christian life, you can be bitter for nobody. You can't allow that to happen. 
And then the word discouraged, according to my dictionary, is to deprive someone of courage and confidence and of energy. Is that what you want your children to be like? Deprived of courage or confidence or energy? In other words, these are words about disappointment and disillusionment. And they're also words that take us back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. And it's about a lack of hope. Because if your children have no hope, if we have no hope, how can we live the life that the, the, the God who loves us demands of us? If there's no hope, how can we do it? We can't. Now, we might expect this to be more the consequence of absent fathers in families rather than present fathers in families. Fathers and mothers have different roles in their children's lives, certainly psychologically, certainly physically. Children are not meant to be the responsibility that should be looked after by just one. Now, I want to point out at this point, and I mean this with all sincerity, I have tremendous admiration for single parents, both single mothers and single fathers. I have tremendous admiration because it's hard. It's tough. And you're bringing up children on your own, and you've got nobody to talk to in the way that others have. And I absolutely respect the enormous courage and the energy and the commitment and the loyalty that is necessary to do the job well on your own. And in some cases against overwhelming odds. But you work hard. And you bring up your children well. And I want to thank you for all that you do. Sadly, some churches have failed you I hope very much that this church hasn't. I know sometimes pastors make stupid and silly comments which undermine you. And so if I've said anything or if this church has said anything, I apologize. And I want you to know that if we can do anything to help, we will do it. If finances are short, we can help. If there's something you need, don't be afraid to come and talk to us because we are a family together. Now we come back to our text. And Paul warns fathers to bring up their children by giving their children expectation and encouragement and above all, hope. And that, of course, is the reverse of what we're saying here, embitterment and discouragement. You see, the goal of good parenting is to rear children who are not discouraged, who are full of hope, and whose hearts are free to pursue those hopes. Now, some of you might say to me, well, Pastor, that doesn't sound very Christian-like. Anybody can have that particular view and particular understanding, that particular objective. And they're right. Most wise parents will bring up their children with similar objectives. But here in these verses, there is a difference. 
And the difference is the context. Paul is writing about the outworking of our union with Christ. That's where he starts. He says Christ is preeminent or he should be in your life. Everything you do, you do for him. That's where your strength comes from. That's where your desire to serve comes from, to serve Christ. And he spends the first two or three chapters of his letter talking about this. And in the first few verses, we've read them all together, he talks about hope that is in Jesus. Hope that is in Jesus. Now we begin to understand how verse 21 can be dealt with. If Christ has become the source of our wisdom and our understanding and our hope, then this helps us to understand the verse that we have before us. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Paul's been talking about hope. And we need to apply this to the verse that we have here. Now, I know the word hope doesn't appear in the verse itself, but the idea certainly does and is very clearly presented. Hope, I suggest to you, is looking forward to the future in such a way that gives confidence in the present. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing to be a Christian about? Because our hope is in the future. We can be confident now. We can deal with the situations that we face now. The hard times in our families, we can deal with them because our hope is in the future. Our hope is in Jesus. It's a looking forward, an expectation that enables us to live with the present, whatever the present brings to us. And here in the letter to the Colossians, Paul has talked about faith and love that spring from hope. That is to say, he is our hope and our confidence. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our confidence about the future. We are able to say our faith and love and hope is in him. In chapter 1, verse 23, he says, Continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope that's held out for you in the gospel. Verse 27, Christ in you is your hope of the future. The glory that God is working out in your life. Elsewhere, in, for example, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul talks about your work produced by faith and your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, what I'm talking about means nothing to you. It's only when you know him that you know the hope that he gives to all who come to him. A very worldly, or sorry, not worldly, earthly way of talking about hope would be to describe it as your stickability is inspired by hope and hope is the opposite of discouragement and the opposite of disappointment. Your stickability. What a wonderful way of putting it. And so the question is, very simply this, and this is the point at which we close this morning. Where do we encourage our children to place their hope? Where do we encourage our children to place their hope? And for a moment, I want you to think and be honest. You can close your eyes if you want. You can get a big 
pad of paper out and a pen and write it down, whatever. But I want you just for a moment to be honest and to answer that question yourself. Where do you encourage your children to place their hope? But be honest. In the context of this letter, we should encourage our children to place their hope in God through Jesus Christ. And here's the thing, that's it. Now you say to me, well, what about a good education? Well, we'll talk about that in just a moment. But that's what our responsibility is. To place their hope in God through Jesus Christ. When they look at your life, is that the message they get? Does your life encourage them to place their hope in Jesus Christ? Or does it do the opposite and turn them off? And say, well, if that's it, I'm going elsewhere. You see, parents without Christ will give their children hope, but usually in the wrong things. They'll give them hope, for example, in a good education as being the key to their future. They'll give them hope in professional success as being the key to their satisfaction. They'll give them hope in earning good money as being the key to their comforts. Some give their children hope in good looks. I heard recently of parents who bought their child a voucher for plastic surgery as a gift for their graduation present. I can't believe it. What in the world are they telling their children? That value has to do with how you look and that glamour in some way is important. Parents, don't tell your daughters they look sexy when they're going out in the evening. What I have to say to my daughters is, go back in and put some more clothes on. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the last thing you want to tell your daughter in this broken world in which we live. Sexually depraved world in which we live. Doesn't mean that we brush our hair and, or don't brush our hair and stuff, but we're careful. We give our kids the idea that marrying the right spouse is the key to a happy life, and it's got a great deal to do with it. But it's not the most important thing. Now, many of these things are entirely valid. A good education, a successful career. Yes, these are valid things. But what if your children are not academically inclined? I never got my high school diploma. And I'm so glad that my parents didn't push me in a certain direction. Because I'd never have been here today. What if your child doesn't achieve great professional success? Not everybody does. What if your child doesn't make good money? Not everybody does. Perhaps your child will never marry. Fathers, parents, if these are the hopes that you're instilling in your children, then I'm sorry to say this, but you have set them up for embitterment and discouragement. And no hope, according to the scriptures that we have read this morning. 
do you realize that there are many young people who are living with the fact that they are disappointing their parents? Because they've had instilled in them the expectations. And I'm sad to have to say this. Some of those parents are Christian parents. Christian families. And the children are becoming bitter and disappointed because their hopes were being placed in the wrong things. I mean, if you ask Paul the question, what kind of freedom from discouragement do you want our children to have? If you say, fathers, don't discourage your children, don't bring them to the place of embitterment, well, what kind of freedom from that do you want? What do you mean by this, Paul? I don't think Paul would say, I want your children to be free from the fact that they may not become well-educated or wealthy or free from the fact that they may not become well-known or free from the fact that they may not become successful or free from the fact that they may not marry and have children. I don't think Paul would say that at all. And in fact, I know he wouldn't say that because in chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul talked about things like this in his own life. He said, I have reason to boast in our culture. I can stand head and shoulders above most of you. And then he gives a catalog of things that I'm sure his parents were very thrilled about. Born in the right place, educated to the best by Gamaliel down in Jerusalem. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He became a Pharisee. He reached the top professionally. And as for legalistic righteousness, he was absolutely faultless. And I'm sure Paul's parents talked very proudly about their son to the neighbors. And then he said this, but all of this I count as rubbish. Now that's the word that the new King James Version uses. The authorized version is a little bit more honest about it. And it uses the word dung. I'm not going to go into a great deal of explanation as to what dung is. If there's a young person here this morning and you're unsure, then talk to your parents and they will explain. I did think I'd say the following, and perhaps I'll regret it, but uh, Dutch people here will understand the word more thoroughly than perhaps those of a more civilized nature in, uh, in, in uh, the way that we've been brought up. But the translation is often rubbish, but the word is dung, and so on. Paul grew up thinking, yes, 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 mum and dad, aren't you pleased? And I think if you said to Paul, what kind of freedom from discouragement would you want your children or our children to have? I think he'd say, I want them to be free from the discouragement that God is not guiding them and directing them. I want them to be free from the discouragement that God may not be sufficient for them in whatever set of circumstances they find themselves. I think Paul would say, Fathers, I want you to encourage your children's hope in God. And if you're well-educated, that's wonderful. And if you're successful, that's great too. I don't think the question about plastic surgery would come in here. (laughs) 
You know, Paul said to Timothy, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. What God wants for you, he'll give to you when your hope is in God. Don't put your hope in secondary things. There's a little bit of transliteration there, but that's what he says in Timothy 6, verse 17. And we must teach our children and show our children that life does not consist of our possessions or our performance or our position. Those are not the goals of our life. God is the goal of our life. All our hope is to be in him and the outworking of his will and his purpose. But sometimes as parents, we get the goals wrong. And sometimes as parents, we allow the world to sneak in. And suddenly we're looking at their school report. And we're saying to ourselves, no, 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 you've got to do better than this. And maybe they should do. But suddenly we've seen a switch take place as to what's important. We've allowed ourselves to be pressed into the mold of the world. Now it doesn't mean don't encourage your children to get the best education they can. But the goal of their life is something much, much, much bigger than this. What is really important is that we as families align ourselves with the will of God. And we need to be asking, what are the purposes of God and how do I align my family? How do we as a family, how do our children align themselves with the will of God? Are we living by values that align with what is important to God? How do we adopt purposes that are consistent with his will and consistent with his word? John, are you still with us? Yes. Everyone's looking at you again. <laughs> John, as Christian fathers, we need to be a father to our children as God is a father to us. He doesn't embitter us. He doesn't discourage us. He gives us all that we need. And he loves us. And chaps, for all of us here, and for mums as well. Remember that we do not teach our children to be self-confident. But we teach them to be confident in God. Confidence in God is something much, much bigger in fact, sometimes God in his kindness and in his fathering of us strips us of our self-confidence until there's nothing else except to run back to him. And even Paul found that out. Remember some of the things he said? And I think he made the statement somewhere he said, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death because everything had been taken away from him. But wasn't this so that he did not rely upon himself, but rely upon God? Now this gives us hope as parents. This is the way we need to live the life 
of a Christian parent. Have you heard the saying that the best things are caught, not taught? Parents, and possibly particularly fathers here this morning, if we say the right things, but we don't live the right way, the first people who will see it are our kids. We won't see it, but they will. Have you ever watched one of those foreign films? Could be careful saying something like that. And you notice that it's been dubbed. And, and you see the pictures, and then the words catch up a little bit later. Uh, the pictures are out of sync with the soundtrack. But you notice how that we always say the soundtrack is slow. Nobody ever says that the visuals are too fast. Because you see, the visual is what's real. It's what we see. And we measure what we hear by what we see. And friends, this is what your kids are doing all the time. It's what they see that really matters. They see first. They see your actions. They see the things you do and the places you go. And then when you speak, all too often they know it's not real because they've seen it in your life. The very best thing that you can do is leave with your children a trust and confidence in God. And when they come to leave home and they step out into this big world around them, they will take that trust and confidence in Jesus with them instead of leaving it at the door when they walk out. Now you can't enforce it, of course. Proverbs says so many wonderful things about a parent, a trainer of children. Bring up a child and the way it should go, etc., etc. And he, she will not depart from it. It also says that a man can have a fool for a son. We're not responsible for the choices our children make. But we are to provide that environment that makes it easy for them to make the right choices. Are you doing that? Is each of the families here doing that? Because that's the responsibility we have. They see us. They know what's going on. And if we make stupid mistakes, those mistakes will be replicated. And if we're dishonest with them, that dishonesty will be replicated. I think it's very important that as husbands we love our wives properly. That is a key ingredient in the security of our children. But it's even more important that we love God properly. Now, do you see why we needed Colossians 1 to 3? To be able to help us understand 
chapter 3, verse 20. It means that we place God in the position of preeminence in our lives. And this afternoon, go home and read Colossians. It won't take you long. May the Lord bless us all as we have considered these things. And so we're going to ask if John would come back to uh, the piano now and we'll sing our closing uh, hymn, All Creatures of Our God and King.
so if John and uh, Aggie are going to um, keep uh, Chloe around, you can all say hello to Chloe afterwards and make sure you're acquainted with her. Uh, this evening, come and join us again at 6.30. We're going to uh, uh, look at Revelation chapters 13 and 14, not in all detail, but we're going to compare certain aspects to it. Um, so if you're worried about uh, beasts that come out of the sea, well, you need to come this evening because we'll show there's nothing to worry about if you're saved, if you belong to the Lord Jesus. So that's 6.30 this evening, Revelation 13 and 14, and we look forward to that. Uh, there's refreshments and stuff at the back of the tent. Stay and enjoy. Father, we just ask now that you would go with us. Uh, we thank you again for all that's taken place this morning, for the challenge, yes, in the message, but also if we've brought uh, Chloe before you, and we thank you for that dedication. And we pray that you'd go with us now during the course of this day and that we would sense and know your love and your graciousness to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.